we, we can't solve the problems of the environment unless we look like society and we have the participation and engagement and leadership of people from all different kinds of backgrounds Welcome to the third season of the Hardwood Podcast, a program dedicated to sharing ideas, thoughts, and voices of respected professionals in environmental studies that care about diversity, equity, and inclusion. They all have lived and work experiences to add to their outlook and understanding of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we here on the Hardwood Podcast are committed to sharing the voices of these individuals, as well as making space for others to ponder our dialogues. Welcome everyone to another episode the Great Hartwood Podcast here at the Yale School of the Environment. I'm Thomas Rashad Easley, Assistant Dean of Community and Inclusion here at the school, Hip Hop Forester. And um, I'm very fortunate to be communicating with not only a leader, but I like to say it this way, my leader, because she is the head, the Dean of the School of the Environment. And this is her second time on the show. The first time uh, on the show, uh, she had the second to third highest podcast listenership. So I got a feeling it's going to be the same way with this one. <laughs> and uh, I'm talking about none other than Dean Indy Burke, um, uh, who has really supported this DEI work from the beginning and also been a stalwart in continue, continuing it and making it successful. Dean Burke, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Thomas. It's I'm sitting in Colorado right now. There's been some snowfall. It's there's a brilliant blue sky. I'm doing great. Awesome. Okay. I'm glad, definitely glad, glad that you're safe and glad that you're, I know the fires and stuff are happening. So I'm glad that things are coming, have calmed down and, you know, that you and your family are safe. And it's good, it's good to have you on, on the podcast again. Um, great to be here. I thank you. And I am, I am moved because today's, today's podcast is to talk about success and victory. We definitely had our challenges, you know, in doing the work. But it has been a fortune for me to watch you uh, push through this work. It has been a fortune to see the struggles. I don't like to see anyone struggle, but to see you come out on the other side and still stand, you know, um, in my opinion, as a champion. And as someone who can, and I'm saying it's my opinion, but I think it's a fact, tell people how to get some of this, if not this work done. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. But what I want to do is I want to take, I want to go back and then bring us up. Um, you hired me in 2018, uh, started January 8th, 2018 as Assistant Dean of Community and Inclusion at the then Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Studies. Now we're the School of the Environment and that also changed under your great leadership. The first question is, what were you thinking when you, and I'm not saying this like to be funny, like, what were you thinking, like what, what was happening? What, what were you experiencing to when you said, we need to create a position like this? Yeah, well, so I arrived in October 2016, and one of the very first things that I began to appreciate and understand about this school is, first of all, we're not diverse. <laughs> we don't, we can't solve the problems of the environment unless we look like society. And we have the participation and engagement and leadership of people from all different kinds of backgrounds. And um, in addition to that, sort of the right thing to do in the philosophical um, approach to this, um, oh, there's two other things. And one is that science shows you can't be effective 
without having diverse representation. That boards of companies show that um, the companies do better if they're more diverse. So there's sort of a, a business reason and uh, a moral reason to diversify a school. And the school is uh, really white and really male when I arrived. And there was also a serious hunger among particularly the students, but also the staff and the faculty to have leadership within the school by someone who understands diversity, equity, and inclusion from an intellectual viewpoint, from a personal viewpoint, who would be comfortable communicating about these issues and advocating for them. One of the real characteristics of academia is that while we can be very comfortable talking about intellectual arguments or what's right and wrong about the environment, everybody gets really paralyzed in discussions about diversity. Just as an example, when the students would speak about their hunger for more diverse representation among staff and faculty and students, they would use the term white supremacy. And that just makes everybody so uncomfortable. And what we needed was a Thomas to come in who could be charismatic, a little light, a little funny, but also provocative. And that was the thing. I mean, we didn't know um, when we created the position that we would find someone with the skill to bring up these difficult, really important issues in a way that wasn't off-putting, in a way that could get people to understand and engage and think and roll up their sleeves and work on the issue. And so that was what we were thinking about when we dreamt up the position. We had no idea we could find someone so talented and smart <laughs> in doing this who could provoke us in such a creative, interesting, and nice way. So that was why we created the position and why, Thomas, you've made such a difference is because you can raise these topics without really making people upset or angry or uncomfortable, just sort of help people to think about it and then roll up their sleeves and work. Thank you, Dean Burke. Uh, and I appreciate that. It's, it's something that I have intentionally worked to do, but I can also say that that can, I feel like that can also only happen when you're in a space where there are things that you can point to, you know, that can bring people's, you know, like vision, you know, to something that either A, they can see or their ears to, ears to something uh, that they hear and they see we're moving in the right direction. I think that's one of the things that I've noticed is that, uh, and, I, and I got this term from, from you, so I definitely want to also continue to highlight your like leadership and brilliance, the sandwich. You know, when giving people, you know, a response to talking about something challenging, you can give what people maybe want to hear the good thing. Then you can give the thing that we're doing great or well and then give us something that we can work on. So then we can, you know, still feel good, feel challenged. Oh, and then be inspired at the same time. You know, so I definitely mm -hmm. want to thank you, you know, for also, you know, helping me to think through that, you know, because that's what you said when I first came. Maybe give us a sandwich when you present to us. And I'm like, all right. I'll give you something delicious. That'll work, you know? <laughs> like, all right, that makes sense. I can do that. Okay. 
Um, so then my next question, but before going to the question, I just want to say that there's been success. So I just want to say this for, for everyone listening. You know, we, you know, under your leadership, we've brought in now two faculty of color with tenure, you know, and uh, and they're coming in and they're doing great. We've hired other uh, recently other two faculty of color who are already handling business. One has gotten, you know, gotten to associates. So right there we see part of the benefit, a big, big benefits, excuse me. Our student numbers uh, for uh, U.S. domestic or our diverse numbers, they're going up, you know, whether we're talking African-American, Latinx, uh, Latino, Latina American, Indigenous, First Nations, Native American. I'm saying all of the terms, everyone, American Indian. Mm -hmm. um, those numbers are going up. Then staff, things have changed. You know, I, I came in, we already had, uh, uh, you know, we already had a, um, our, our friend, um, uh, Darlene, but then you brought me in. And now we have Sean and Dee Dee and, you know, Wendy, you know, and Wendy. Yeah. So things are just, you know, so things are growing. And then we have more women, you know, uh, in, in, in the school, too. And so the question I have for you, for everyone listening, right, I, I, I want everyone who heard that to be able to go, oh, wow, check. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. What lessons have you learned <laughs> as our leader about implementing DEI? Just lessons and if you want me to be more specific i'll do this if you wanted to say if you want to address it with students and then with staff and then with faculty okay what lessons have you you know learned about implementing dei diversity equity and inclusion in the school and i'll say like i said you could either say in the school or just with students then staff and faculty however you feel comfortable yeah i think i'll start by a general picture which is when student staff and faculty are fired up to help and to think about these issues in a constructive way. We can really do great things and your work with the staff quickly resulted in changes. Um, I mean, this development of uh, this getting together of the staff who were very inspired to develop mm -hmm. hiring guidelines how do you recruit? When is a pool diverse enough? Um, how do you um, think about diversity when you're actually making the hire? So you have a diverse pool. How do you how do you translate that into making decisions? Uh, and I think those things happen when you have an inspired team who are empowered to make a difference. And it happened first with staff. And I, I'm not sure why, <laughs> um, but the staff were all over it. I mean, they all participated in every search. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, as you mentioned, almost every search resulted in, in recruiting absolutely top-notch candidates from underrepresented uh, positions. So I think it was, and the staff often don't feel very empowered. And so taking something that was first in our strategic plan and saying, you can make a difference. And now how are you gonna make a difference? I don't know, anyway, that was, that was really fantastic. And I think that the same lessons work with faculty. Having a few faculty who feel empowered to take this first and most important initiative from our strategic plan forward, mm -hmm. um, has really helped and and 
as the junior faculty who really care about this became promoted and they truly technically had power, <laughs> didn't just feel a sense of empowerment, but they had power, they've really been making it happen. Um, and, and I should just say about faculty and lessons learned that patience is really important. Um, the demography of faculty turns over much more slowly than it does with staff. Okay. And that is that people never retire as near as I can tell. And, uh, and so new positions don't open up unless we find new resources. Um, mm -hmm. And so um, when it's something so important that we want to change so badly, we need a diverse faculty for all these reasons. It's the right thing to do. It's the only way to solve environmental problems and we'll be more effective as an organization when we're diverse. But we couldn't change it overnight. I mean, as you will remember, there were students who, who asked us to uh, make sure that we had five diversity hires within six months. Yes. And, um, and <laughs> bless their hearts, students and all their passion and they're right, we need to do it. And it's a death, it was a, you know, a, a, a critical thing to do, but we have to be patient because big organizations move slowly and particularly mm -hmm. with respect to faculty, that category of individuals turns over really slowly. So I think patience, patience is important. And that leads me to students. Um, I think embracing the student passion around these issues is really important. And being able to um, communicate and keep these issues on the top of the radar and have conversations about them that are, it's okay if they're confrontational, but just demonstrate daily your concern about these issues while trying to give students the long view mm -hmm. um, that, um, first of all, changing numbers is hard, changing demography is hard, even among the students, becoming known among the people of color in the environment that were a comfortable and supportive place to come, mm -hmm. changing, not only is demography hard to change overnight, Changing culture is really hard to change overnight. And so that requires patience and changing reputation is after changing culture. So you have to change the numbers and that takes a while. And then you have to change the culture and that's a product of numbers, but it's a product of other things that we do and that you, you make possible for us to do too. And then changing the external reputation, which feeds back to give you more applicants and help you bring in people. So you have to have the long view, even in the face of this passion to change by tomorrow. <laughs> you have to sort of help that everybody feel like we're making progress. And here are some metrics, even though the metrics matter much less than the intangibles, which are. Mm -hmm. based in culture. I hope every leader that is listening to this 
will quote this because Dean Burke just gave you wisdom, wisdom, lessons. I want to add a piece of, I want to add something to, to, to what you said. And it's because of the way that you have done this work and answered this, which is another word that I think is very important that I had to grow. And you're the main reason why it happened. Trust, T-R-U-S-T. Yeah. One thing that one thing that you even just said in your response, you said when you're talking about the students, you said, I know I hear you. They were right. Right there. I'm like, that's a check for me to start growing trust. Why? Because she, our dean, you, Dean Burke, is not running from the issue. You I heard you. You're right. <laughs> so you didn't say no. You said, okay, I hear you. You're right. And I think that there's something to be said about that because, and that goes, there goes that sandwich again, because you're like, we're going to do this. We need to do it. But you understand, as you said, change in the big organization takes, take, takes time. And so you're managing yourself while leading people and growing in an in, in organization. And I think that um, you have had, you know, probably, in my opinion, the toughest job doing this, you know, because in a way, you're kind of like the foundation right now. It's like we're kind of like hanging on the stability and brilliance of our dean. And I feel like the growth that we've had, we're standing definitely on with the right dean because <laughs> so much has happened, you know, in such a you know critical amount of time. But I want to put that trust word out there because I know that is what helped me to continue to do this work to do it with you and to do it also for you, you know, because uh, I was like, well, if I work with Dean Burke, then I'm good. Indy has my back, I'm good. You know, I um, hope Indy feels that I have her back. She's good. So I just want to say that uh, that working together, uh, you know, like that, that that piece is so important and working with you has helped me to see that you have to trust the people that you're working with or you have to, or I'll put it like this, if trust is not the work, believe in them. <laughs> you know, I, you yeah. know, I believe in you and your in, um, and your leadership, which made it easier for me to just keep working and keep moving. And some measure of forgiveness, I think, is also important. Um, we one of the things that you've modeled so well is that you don't judge us when we screw up <laughs> or say. I mean, you know. Uh, <laughs> Um, many of us are sort of paralyzed about talking about diversity and we worry that we're going to say something that's going to offend somebody or, and how to talk about these issues and having part of that trust is just knowing that uh, if you mess up in some sort of way, you're going to get some constructive counsel after that, which is what you provide not only to me, but to, I know for certain that you've done this with some of our faculty, um, uh, you know, who've sort of just um, needed that kind of guidance um, and feeling as though you can ask for that kind of help as a part of that trust. Mm. No, I mean, I know I come to you and I say, how do I, how do I talk about this group of people? What are the, what's the right language to talk about this? <laughs> and sometimes, right, sometimes right before I have to give a presentation or write about something, Thomas, how do I say this? And I think that, but that, but see, that's the, that's the positive thing, right? The same way, I appreciate that because the same way you do that with me is why I would say reciprocity is so key. I need the same thing. I need the exact same thing. It may not happen when others can see it. I'm not gonna say it doesn't happen at all as often, 
oh, it happens. And, um, and, and I'm like, if I want someone to be patient with me, I, then I have to do that with someone else. For the main reason, in case someone asks me then, Thomas, how do you do this? I can show you. Come with me, and I want to tell you how we do this. This person is messing up and really bugging me. Hold on. Have you thought about what's going on with them? Have you thought yeah. about maybe how, you know, like, uh, how they're struggling? Have you thought about when you struggle? How does someone help you? And then let's bring it into it. And so I also appreciate you because you've demonstrated that too. You've taken it and you turn around and you do it. Okay, let me talk to this faculty member. Let me talk to the staff member. Let's talk to the students. And so here again, I just want to say thank you because you've demonstrated what good leadership is to do, which for me leads me to the last question. And I really want you to, I, I hope that you'll be honest, you know, because I know as a leader, you know, I'm not calculating your words. I'm not counting them. But I know what it's yeah. like to have people do that to me too. So, that, so that's why I also want you to always feel as best comfortable with me because I'm not doing that. Yeah. And the question hopefully is simple. What kind of support do you think leaders need to not disengage in this work? To not disengage. I feel you really kind of led to, you, you dress engage, I think, you know, with the infrastructure and the culture, but to not disengage. Because you stayed in this and I know it has not been been easy and but and I can say this for anyone answers or ask and India's never said that she wanted to step away <laughs> so I'm not asking because yeah. you said that I'm just wondering because I know that I've struggled and been like man this how are we going to keep doing it and you've helped me to stay motivated so that's why I'm asking you that question well thank you it's uh it's hard work um and most of us in leadership positions in academia are woefully unprepared to do work in DEI. It's not in our training. I mean, we're trained to be independent scientists and publish like mad. And then we get promoted into leadership positions. And, you know, what do I know about that? I can tell you forever about soil nitrogen. I'm very confident about soil nitrogen, but I have no confidence. And I think the kind of support you need is um, having encouragement to stay in a learning mode. And so the trainings that you have offered and that you've gotten us connected to have been really important to me as support. And uh, among the, uh, and, and I can just say one thing about that and it's, it's, um, it's a it's it's learning how to engage in very very uncomfortable things for some of us in a in a transparent and honest and committed way and i think the trainings are really important that way and it's not everybody who will engage in those but you need the opportunity to engage in those sort of events. The, the other thing is a trusted set of individuals, and it really helps when you diversify the faculty and staff so that you have a suite of people to go to about that. In an elite academic institution, especially in discussion about faculty, mm -hmm. The artificial trade-off implicitly comes up frequently about quality or diversity. And it is not a trade-off. It is not a trade-off. And the um, sort of 
traditionally narrow definition of excellence that elite academic institutions have needs to be challenged constantly. But it, um, I think I, what I would say about what kind of support I need is to have those conversations not be the kind that push people away. Um, and so I have sought out your counsel. I've sought out the counsel of our faculty members who are really committed to diversity work. Uh, I've sought out an expert in emotional intelligence um, uh, so that we can engage in this work without letting this question come up. Well, do we want someone good or do we wanna make a diversity hire? I mean, I actually shut down that conversation when it arises. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's an artificial distinction, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, but it it's uh, it requires training and it requires confidence and it requires empowered colleagues um, also on the faculty to speak up um, and make sure that we stay focused on the broadest definition and the most important definition of excellence we can, we can find. Mm. Dean Burke, <laughs> I told you it was just gonna be wisdom. That was just gonna come from you, I knew it. Um, I, I really appreciate you um, even, you know, with this time, because one, I know how busy you are and I don't know how stressed you are, you know, cause because you wear the challenge as well, <laughs> but I'm sure that there's stress involved in the fact that you can speak about this so eloquently and with me and calmly uh, shows for me, not just brilliance, which that's a given, you know, you're Dean Indy Burke, but also um, authenticity, you know, because you've been through, you know, things, you you have experienced things, you've experienced things, in, you know, like yourself, you know, uh, you. You, you, you told me a lot about you, you know, personally, you know, in your, in your career and how you bring that in to your work. So you also do what I think I do. You lean on your experience, but then you say, I seek counsel. And to me, that's, that, that's wise too. Uh, like I said, I, I, I need support. I need help. You've been there. I need counsel. I need intelligence. So just listening to you tells me I'm on the right track. If you're the dean and you've done that, I'm working to do that. That's a good sign. That means I. That means I'm, I'm doing some good things. Then you know. And uh, you certainly are, Thomas. And this is among them. I think uh, this podcast has absolutely been great for all of us. Um, and my bet is that it's helped us with our recruiting. So anyway, uh, thank you for everything that you've done to help us highlight the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion for the school. Well, thank you, Dean Burke, and thank you everyone for listening. Um, uh, like I said, this, this is our own Dean, Dean Indy Burke. You know, you can uh, you know connect with us here at the Yale School of the Environment. Hartwood is here because of the support of the school, but here again, the vision and support of Dean Burke. So I just want you all to understand that uh, no one does this work alone. And uh, we all have to support each other. And we definitely have to elevate each, each other. And that's why I do speak so complimentary of Dean Burke, because trust me, I've also been in spaces where you don't have the support from up top. And I know how bad it can be. And so I'm the fortunate one in this situation. So I just want to close off by saying thank you. And you all get ready to tune into some more uh, episodes 
of, of Hartwood, okay, that comes from the support of the Yale School of the Environment. Our producer, Nadine Damien, uh, also thanks you. Uh, and I, uh, Thomas Richard, thank you again for listening. And until the next time, you all take care. The Hardwood Podcast is a production of the Yale School of the Environment in New Haven, Connecticut. Our producer is Nadine Damien, a joint degree master's student between the Yale School of the Environment and the Yale Graduate School of Arts and Sciences, pursuing degrees in environmental management and international and development economics. I am Dr. Thomas Rashad Easley, and we'll see you next time.